As many of you know, my father passed away on Friday morning, and I was able to be with him with my mom and brother and aunts and, and, uh, and an uncle. Um, because of that, Reverend President Steve Turner has agreed, or has offered, I should say, very graciously to preach for me this morning. And so he will be the one preaching. I'll be conducting the rest of the service. Uh, today we celebrate the martyrdom of John the Baptist when he was beheaded. And maybe it is quite appropriate that today we look at the death of a very prominent Old Testament saint uh, on a week when two of us have lost our fathers. So uh, please keep everyone in your prayers. And as we continue on, uh, we now look forward to the entrance hymn, hymn 940 in your hymnals.
O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Alleluia. O come, let us worship the Lord, for he is our Maker. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth, the strength of the hills is his also. It is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, Never shall be world without end. Amen. O come, let us worship the Lord, for he is our Maker. The first reading for the festival of the martyrdom of St. John the Baptist is from the Revelation to St. John, chapter 6. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete, who were to be killed as they themselves had been. This is the word of the Lord. Fear the Lord, you his saints. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. The epistle is from Romans chapter 6. Brothers, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, 
just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. This is the word of the Lord. We continue with the hymn 434 in your hymnals. for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the sixth chapter. Let us pray the gospel verse before this, though. Alleluia, precious in the sight of the Lord. It is the death of Alleluia. The reading from St. Mark. King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. Some said, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. But others said, he is Elijah. And others said, He is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For it was Herod who had sent and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to, to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death. But she could not, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe. When he, when he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he heard him gladly. But an opportunity came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his nobles and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. For when Herodias' daughter came in and danced, she, was, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it to you. And he vowed to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half of my kingdom. And she went out and said to her mother, For what should I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. And she came in immediately with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry, but because of his oaths and his guests, he did not want to break his word to her. And immediately the king sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in the prison and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard of it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. 
This is the gospel of our Lord.
Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I think first of all to Pastor McGinley and Kelsey, the members of Christ our Savior, Christ the King, and the pastors and the professional church workers of Iowa District West. We wish to, to give you our sympathy at the loss of your father. And it is an honor for me to be with you today to share this word of God. Um, the martyrdom of John the Baptist is one of those unusual celebrations. Did you hear that? Celebrations we have in the church. The other one I thought of as I was thinking about this message for this morning, when you think about celebrations of martyrdoms, I was thinking about the celebration of the Holy Innocence that takes place right after Christmas, where a different King Herod chose to kill all the baby boys in Bethlehem who were two years old and younger. It's kind of interesting, isn't it, that Herod, the name Herod, surrounds these two awful stories. And yet, in the church, we refer to this as what kind of day? A feast day. Pastor McGinley said we celebrate the martyrdom of John the Baptist. How can we celebrate such a sad event? We, we know it's a sad event because Jesus felt the sadness when he was informed about John's death. Well, that's where I think the epistle lesson for the martyrdom of John the Baptist is such an important Bible passage for Christians to hold in front of us. You've got it printed for you in your worship guide. You may want to have that in front of you as we go through this text today because the Apostle Paul speaks with such confidence when he says in verse 3, he says, Do you not know that all of us who are baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too may walk in newness of life. You see, dear friends in Christ, in the midst of death, Paul gives this, this beautiful picture of hope. Of hope that we have in Christ of the resurrection from the dead. You know, the Apostle Paul, we know, is the the writer of this letter to the Romans. And as you've probably heard before, the Apostle Paul was a trained Jewish lawyer. And so like all lawyers, words are important to him. There was a time in Paul's past, before he became a Christian, Paul was a prosecuting attorney of Christians. He was the one who would drag Christians in the court who wanted to see him beaten. In fact, the Apostle Paul, while maybe he wasn't throwing stones at Stephen when Stephen was put to death, 
he held the cloaks so the others could throw straighter and harder. But since then, this Jewish lawyer has become a, dis a dedicated disciple of Christ. And he begins that verse where he says, What then shall we say? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Did you, the way Paul worded that, he's, he's wording it like a lawyer. He's asking a rhetorical question. And there's a certain logic to Paul's question there where he says, what then shall we say? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? Especially if we go back to the verses right before this in Romans chapter 5.20 where Paul says, Now the law came to increase the trespass where sin increased Grace may abound all the more. Did you catch that? What Paul is saying there in 520, he says, he says, wherever there's more sin, there's more grace. Are we to continue in the sin? That's what he asks in, now in verse 1. See, there's a certain logic to that, isn't it? But that first logic... More sin, more grace. Go out and sin more so there'll be more grace. That's satanic logic. If you believe you can keep on sinning and grace will just continue to come, that grace, that logic exploits God's goodness. It takes that free and glorious grace and makes it cheap and shameful. Paul says then, in response to that satanic logic, Paul says, he says in verse 2, he says, by no means. How can we who died to sin live in it? You see, the Apostle Paul encourages us to reject this impious logic, and he does it with the emphatic no way. Why? Because of sin, death comes to all of us. How can we live in it? This week, Pastor, you'll be attending the funeral of your father. A funeral is a reminder. Anytime you attend a funeral, whether it's for one of our parents, a neighbor, or someone you don't even know very well, a funeral is a reminder of the awful power of sin. It is because of sin that we die. But as Christians, we're reminded 
that that's not the first time we've died. Paul says in verse 3, he says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? You see, you and I, we were baptized into Christ. In our baptism, it connects us with Christ in such a way that when Jesus Christ suffers and dies on Calvary's cross, we die with him. Our sins died with him. All of our sin, all of the times we rebelled against the good and gracious will of, of, of God, they all died with Christ on Calvary's cross. That's good news for you and me. Because Paul doesn't end it there. He says, not only did we die with Christ in our baptism, he goes on to say in verse 4, he says, we were buried with him in baptism into death. Have you ever thought about that? That when Jesus is taken down from the cross, when he's taken down from that cross, and they take him to his tomb, he takes us with him. He takes our sin with him. And our sin is dead and buried with Christ forever. I think it's just a beautiful picture. You know, sometimes we think of the tomb as kind of a gloomy place. But think about it as a place where your sins and my sins have been taken away and stored forever. And then Paul goes on in that same verse, verse 4, where he says, we were buried with him with, by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, the glory of the Father, we too might have newness of life. You see, Calvary's cross this is the only way our sin could be atoned for. There's nothing you or I could do to save ourselves. Nothing. But this is what God, God has done for us. He's taken all of our sin. He suffered and He died and He paid the price. Paul says in verse 5, he says, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. You see, the life, death, and burial connects us with Christ. It connects us to the certainty of our own resurrection. You see, on Easter Sunday, we celebrate that Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. But as we celebrate that resurrection, we are celebrating our own 
resurrection. It's something we are going to be looking forward to. Pastor, you know. You're going to see your dad again. He's away for a little while, and you'll miss him, and your heart will hurt. But you know, that's the good news of being a Christian. You're going to get to see him again, to see our loved ones who've gone before us. We'll be able to see John the Baptist and those little innocent babies who were murdered by Herod centuries ago. We're all going to be there together in that glorious resurrection. But we don't have to wait. We don't have to wait for this new life in Christ. And the verses that follow our text for today, they remind us that we don't have to wait. Paul says in, verse, in Romans um, chapter 6, verse 6, he says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be, in, be slaves to sin. See, we're no longer slaves to sin. While we still live in it, we still struggle against it, that old self, that sinful self, has been crucified with Christ. Notice the past tense. Crucified. Has been crucified. Sin loses its destructive power over the baptized child of God. Why? Verse 7 says, For we have won... For the one who has died has set us free from sin. Jesus died for you and for me. And because He makes your sin His own, we can live in the freedom of forgiveness. Verse 8, Paul says, Now if we've died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. You see Paul's training there, don't you, as a Jewish lawyer. If, the logic, if we've died with Christ, if we've been buried with Christ, if we've been baptized into Christ, we live with the promise that we will live with Him now and we will live with Him forever. Can you be sure about this? Can you be confident about this? Well, Paul says in verse 9, he says, We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Jesus cannot die again. Jesus has won the victory for us. He says, For the, for the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Now Paul is really speaking like a first century attorney. So much of the ancient law was based on the law of retribution. You know, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And Paul says, the death he died, he died once for all. Because Jesus died for you and me, we can have the confidence that we will live with him forever. Verse 11. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive in Christ. 
Here's another way of Paul saying that as a lawyer. You're not guilty. Isn't that, isn't that great words? If you're in a, in a court of law and the judgment comes down and says you're not guilty, <coughs> the good news for you and me is because of what Christ accomplished for us on Calvary's cross, because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and because you've been received into Christ through holy baptism, you've died to sin, and you've been made alive in Christ. So no matter what's happened in your life, the good news for you and me this morning is that Jesus says, not guilty. In Jesus' name, amen. Almighty God, you gave your servant John the Baptist to be the forerunner of your son, Jesus Christ, in both his preaching of repentance and his innocent death. Grant that we who have died and risen with Christ in holy baptism may daily repent of our sins, patiently suffer for the sake of the truth, and fearlessly bear witness to his victory over death. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Please rise for the prayer of the church. This morning we pray for all children, teachers, principals, and school staff who began school this last week. And we also remember this morning the families of Dale Larson, father of our own David Larson, and John McGinley, my father. Dale was called home by our Lord this last Tuesday, August 24th. My father passed away two days ago, being called home by his Lord on Friday, August 27th. For all this and more, let us pray. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for all your goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of your dear Son and for the revelation of your will and grace. And we beseech you so to implant your word in us that in good and honest hearts, we may keep it and bring forth the fruits of faith by patient continuance and well-doing. Lord, in your mercy, most heartily we beseech you so to rule and govern your church Catholic with all her pastors and ministers that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of your saving word, whereby faith toward you may be strengthened, love and charity increased in us toward all mankind and your kingdom extended. Send forth laborers into your harvest and sustain those whom you have sent that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people and the gospel preached in all the world. Lord, in your mercy, grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority, especially to Joseph, our president, the Congress of these United States, Kim, our governor, the legislature of this state, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after your good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, 
that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Lord, in your mercy. May it please you also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and hostilities and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. Lord, in your mercy. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for your name's sake, comfort, O God, with your Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their affliction as the manifestation of your fatherly will. Especially this morning do we pray for Alvera, Jean, Jerry, Selena, Corey, Sarah, Mary, Marion, Elaine, Virtus and Carol, Laura, Alice, Dee, Marlene, Carol, Janice, Pam, Sharon, Donnie and Bonnie, Cashel, Eugene, Mary Lou, and Jessica. Lord, in your mercy. Although we have deserved your righteous wrath and manifold punishments, yet we entreat you, O most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth nor our many transgressions, but out of your unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of your mercy, and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, show yourself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Lord, in your mercy. Cause all needed fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations on land, sea, and air, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with your blessing. Lord, in your mercy. Receive, O God, our bodies and souls and all our talents, together with the offerings we bring before you. For by his blood, your Son has purchased us to be your own, that we may live under him and his kingdom. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty Father, through your Son, you have entrusted to your people the task of, of teaching all nations. Enlighten with the wisdom of your Holy Spirit those who teach and those who learn that the joyous truth of the gospel may be known in every generation. Lord, in your mercy. Eternal God and Father, Look graciously upon the families of Dale Elmore Larson and John Michael McGinley, who grieve at the death of their husbands and fathers. Teach us to remember that all things work together for the good of those who love you. Help us to recall with thanksgiving the many mercies you gave to Dale Elmore and John, Mc and John Michael, especially that you adopted them as your children in holy baptism and kept them in the true faith unto the glories of heaven. Comfort us with your everlasting gospel and lead us by your Holy Spirit until you, take with, until you take us with all your saints to a joyous and blessed reunion in heaven. Lord, in your mercy. Grant your Holy Spirit to those who come to the Lord's table this day that they may receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ, 
in sincere repentance and firm faith and to their abundant blessing. Lord, in your mercy. As we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, help us by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day, before the night comes when no, when no one can work. And when our last hour shall come, support us by your power and receive us into your everlasting kingdom. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen.